Well, this morning as we uh, look into God's Word and we uh, search for truth to lead us and guide us in life, I want to talk to you for, for just a few moments about the fact that as we live in this world today, that uh, we have to be very careful about who our friends are, who the people are that we associate with. And we have to be careful because those people influence our lives greatly. And we have to understand the importance of that according to the truths of God's Word. When, when those people influence us versus our influencing them, then we have to be very, very careful about what kind of influence they are, about what kind of things they are leading or directing or guiding us to do. Man pursues knowledge. We build schools, institutes, universities where learned professors can teach us about the world and about life. We have Google and Siri and Alexa. Let me ask you, is there anyone here today who at some point has not said, I wonder about, and you have a question, and someone has not said to you, Google it. I mean, we do that, right? We say, oh, Google it, you know. Or we'll do this. We'll say, Siri, tell me what the whatever the question is, right? Or Alexa, answer whatever the question is, right? We, oh, sorry. Hey, hey, man. Kicking those things off, right? There we go. So, but we, we have this, this pursuit for knowledge. We have this idea that, that the more knowledge we gather, then the greater we can be. And the idea and the ability that we have to analyze, conceptualize, theorize, discuss, debate, any and everything in the world is what separates us from the animals. Is that we have the ability to pursue knowledge. We have the ability to ask questions and to debate and, and to debate and, and, and to try to discover things. And here's what I would submit to you this morning from God's Word. Knowledge is good. However, there is a vast difference between knowledge having facts, and wisdom. And wisdom is the applying of those facts to life. And as Gary's already mentioned this morning, we, we see a lot of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And that's where I want us to go this morning for a few moments and to look into God's Word. We, um, knowledge is great. But if we do not apply with wisdom that knowledge to our lives, then that knowledge has little value. It's, uh, it really, really doesn't do a lot for us if we don't take that knowledge and apply it to how we live life day by day. The wisest man, according to God's Word, that ever lived was Solomon. And Solomon gave us three volumes, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. And all of those are books that are inspired by the Holy Spirit where He gives us practical insight and, and guidelines for how we live life. And, and so as we look at Proverbs this morning, I want to start in the very beginning. And, uh, and I want us to look at some truths that it teaches us about being wise when we select our friends or our companions, those people that we spend time with. So, Proverbs chapter 1, and, uh, and I want to pick up and just read down together. There's several things here, uh, but, but let's begin. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. 
uh, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now listen, he's writing and he's giving instruction and he says this, Hear my son, your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments around your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us and let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush an innocent without cause, let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious wealth. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. Keep their feet, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the net in the eyes of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. So we look at this passage this morning, and there is all kinds of instruction for us. The first thing that I want us to see out of this text is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. Understanding that our relationship with Him affects our ability to gain knowledge, to learn, to know, and to understand. And so it is our relationship with Him that, that begins the process of, of gaining knowledge, of learning and knowing and understanding so that we can have wisdom in life. Notice the second thing he says, and I'm speaking to young people now. A few young ladies over here and some young folks back here. Listen to what he says. He says, listen to your parents. Listen to your mother and father. There are things that they have experienced in life. There are things that they know about life that they can teach you and help you so that you don't make the mistakes that they made. So that you can have a knowledge that helps you as you move forward in life. And so he gives instruction. He says, hey, listen to what we're saying. Listen to your mother. Listen to your father. Hear the instructions that they have to give you because there's value in that. And we need to understand that today. The value of our relationship with the Lord and the value of our relationship with our parents and listening and hearing what they say in order that it might guide and direct our lives. But here's what we want to focus on today. We'll talk about our friends. What about our friends and how they influence us? What about those that we spend so much of our time with? They can be a source of good counsel or they can be a source of 
poor counsel. Proverbs 27, we move over a little bit later in the book, in verse 9, it says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friends. A man's counsel, the instruction, the direction, the encouragement that one can give to a friend, he says it can be sweet, it can be valuable, it can be great, but he also in this chapter says that it can be destructive, it can be difficult, it can be wrong. And so we have to be very careful about the kinds of friends that we have. We have to be very careful about the people that we spend time with. He says this in verses 10 through 19. He talks about these individuals. And he talks about the idea of, of what they want to do and how they want you to be involved in what they do. And so that's really where I want us to learn the three lessons today that I want to share with you. And the first one is this, a wise warning concerning evil companions. Notice what he said, do not consent to their counsel. In other words, he says, don't listen to them and give in to what they're saying. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's difficult when we're hanging around with our friends. Maybe it's people we work with. Maybe people we we do extracurricular activities with or associate with in life. And they have a negative influence. They say, hey, why don't we do this? Now, I know when we read the text, they specifically talked about laying in wait. They talked about killing someone and robbing them is the idea. And we go, oh, I would never do that. I would never kill anyone. but, But we have to apply the principle. And the principle is that they can lead us to do things that we should not and would not do if they weren't influencing us. And so when we begin to understand that, he says, listen, do not consent to their counsel. Do not listen to the direction that they give you. Uh, A father's advice, he says, a sinner entices you, do not consent. When their temptation comes your way, don't yield to that. And sometimes that's difficult because we're concerned about what they might think about us. We're concerned about how it might affect our relationship. We're concerned about all sorts of things. And so when someone tempts us or entices us or tries to direct us in a way to do something that we know we shouldn't do or we wouldn't normally do, then he says we need to be able to resist that. That's not always easy. It's it's great to say, oh, we just need to resist that, but... But there's, there's this idea of how do we do that? How do we work through that process? When they tempt us, they promise us things that, that they cannot deliver. The first thing, did you notice they said in verses 13 and 14, it was easy gain. It, it was what we refer to today as a, as a get-rich-quick scheme. Okay, And they said, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lay in wait. And we're going to attack somebody and we're going to rob. And listen, we're going to get all kinds of wealth. We're, we're going to get all kinds of precious things. that we, And we're going to have one purse. And we're all going to put it in together. And, and boy, we're, just, we're going to have it made. We're going to have everything that we need in life. And so when they tempt us, they promise an easy gain. Here's an easy way for us to get the things that we need. Here's an easy way for us to do something and have money in our pockets. And so he said, when someone tempts you with that, don't don't listen to them. Don't consent to what they want you to do, whatever that might be. We're not talking, remember, this is only a principle. We're not talking about murdering someone and, and stealing their possessions. We're talking about anything that we know we shouldn't do and we would not normally do if that person had not influenced us. So be careful about the friends that you have. Be careful 
about the way that they might influence and, and encourage you in life. Notice what he said. He said, how do we deal with that? First thing is this. He said, don't walk with them. Here's the idea. We've got to stay away from those people. If we are in a position that we feel someone is influencing us in a negative way, he said, get away from them. Stop spending time with them or else you are setting yourself up to follow them down a road that you know you shouldn't go. So, so we need to separate ourselves from people who are a bad influence on us. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's people we work with. Sometimes it's, it's our neighbors. Sometimes it can even be family. But he says, listen, don't walk with them. Don't go down the path that they're going down because he said it's a bad road and it will lead you to places that you do not want to go. And so he said, stay away from those people. Don't spend time with them and let them influence you. Get away from them, he said. Eventually, he said, they will pay with their own lives. Eventually, there will be a price to the evil that they're doing and you don't want to be caught up in that. You don't want to be involved in that. And so he says those things lure us and take us away in a direction that we should not go. And so he says simply stay away from them. Don't be involved with those kind of people. And so that's why we have to be very careful about the friends that we choose. That's why we have to be very careful about the people that we spend time with. And allow them to influence our lives. Second principle is this. The danger of evil companions. They persuade through enticement. Notice he used that word enticement. Like the serpent with Eve in the garden. He enticed her with the fruit. And if you go back to Genesis, the the third chapter, and the sixth verse. He says this. It says that she saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye. It looked good. She saw that it was good for food. And she saw that it was capable of giving wisdom. She saw three things. The Scripture defines that for us a little bit later in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And it says there that she saw that it was pleasing to the eye. Looked good. Lust of the flesh. She saw that it, it was, or, or the, the lust of the eyes. She saw that it was good to eat, lust of the flesh. It was satisfying. It would, would fulfill a hunger or a desire that I have. And, and thirdly, it said that, that it was good for wisdom, to gain wisdom and the boastful pride of life, that I have, have a knowledge that others do not have. And so those three basic areas of sin we find throughout God's Word for their very beginning in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6 when the, when the serpent uh, attempted and, and tested and, and caused Eve to sin. And then we find Jesus. We go to the New Testament Scripture, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus has been fasting in the wilderness and Satan approaches him. And what does Satan say? The first thing he says is, hey, hey, I know you're hungry. Take those stones and turn them into bread so you can eat. Lust of the flesh. That which satisfies and can fulfill me. He took him up on a high pinnacle and he said, Hey, look out at all of these kingdoms. If you'll bow down and worship me, everything that you see can be yours. Lust of the eye. What looks good. Man, look at all of that. And then he took him up to a high pinnacle and he said, What? Throw yourself down. 
And the angels will come along and scoop you up and rescue you and really show that you are the Son of God, the boastful pride of life. Let people see who I am. Temptation from the very beginning of the book of Genesis all the way through to the life of Christ. Temptation has always come to us in three forms. Lust of the flesh, what makes me feel good and satisfies. Lust of the eye, what looks good to me. And the boastful pride of life, what makes me look good in the eyes of others. And I promise you, when evil companions come to tempt you, when, when they come to, to entice you, it's going to be in one of those three ways. It's going to be through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the boastful pride of life. And they will try to draw you away, and they will try to, to tempt you, and, and they will, will try to, to cause you to go, oh yeah, that looks so good. Oh yeah, that would feel so great. Oh yeah, that would make me look good in the eyes of others. And any time you are being tempted, any time you, you are being, being caused to, to lure away in any of those areas, take caution. Be careful. Because those are, are the areas that, that we are attacked in life. They offer an easy gain such as wealth without work. Here it is. Hey, let's just go and, and kill and rob somebody. Hey, let's, here's, a, here's a way we can get some money real easy. It won't hurt anybody. It won't offend anybody. It won't be any big deal. But, boy, we can cash in really big, right? Or, or maybe it's such as pleasure without commitment. We look around in our world today, and, and there's an increase, an incredible increase in Internet porn. And there's an increase in, in all kinds of, of other things that are, hey, hey, here's something that can make you feel good. And it, and it really doesn't affect anybody. N- nobody sees. Nobody knows. It's okay. And eventually there's a price to pay, such as companionship without cost. We see it in our world today. Young people at a, an alarming rate are choosing to live together instead of get married and make a commitment. There's no commitment. There's no cost. Let's just live with each other. In the last 20 years, there's been a 900% increase of young people who are living together outside of marriage in, in an intimate relationship. And over 50% of those who live together without marriage never get married. So, so they start with the idea, well, we're going to live together for a little bit and then we're going to get married. But over 50% of those people never get married. There's never, never a marriage relationship. There's never a commitment. There's never a follow-through in regards to that. 33% more likely to divorce in the first five years if they've previously lived together. You hear them, they, they say things like this. Well, you know, if we live together for a little while, we get to know each other, we're going to see how things are going to work and see how things are going to go, right? 33% more likely divorce in the first five years. Seeing how things go, seeing how, how things are going to work out, doesn't work out so well. And we have to be careful that, that people who are trying to tempt us and lure us away, they want us to have companionship without a commitment or without a cost. They want us to do things that we know we shouldn't do and, and act in ways that we know we shouldn't act. They ignore the cost of sin. Notice what he said. He said, listen, eventually they're going to pay with their lives. Eventually there, there's going to be a cost for them. Eventually that what they're going to do is, is it's, it's going to cost them greatly. These so-called friends, if they will sin with you, eventually they will sin against you. Be aware of that. Be very careful about the friends that you choose. 
If they will sin with you, eventually they will sin against you. And whatever evil things that you have concocted and done together, eventually they will turn it around and they will enact it against you. So he says, be very careful about the people you choose to be your friends. Be very careful about the people that you spend time with. Those that you hang out with. Matthew chapter 32 and verse 23 says this, Be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure it will eventually come to light the way that you've lived your life and the things that you've done. Sin requires lies and deception and eventually that will come to light. Eventually it will be seen. And so it comes in all forms, it comes in all ways, it comes with addiction, it comes with physical disease, it, it comes with all kinds of, of ramifications that are the result of sinfulness in our life. When we allow ourselves to be enticed and tempted by friends, companions who lure us away. The solution to, ev- the solution to evil companions, just quickly this morning as we prepare to close. He writes and he says this, don't listen to them. Do not consent. Do not, not give in to their temptation. What they promise, they cannot deliver, at least not for long. Maybe initially. Maybe there's some, some really good things in the beginning. But it, it's not long term. It will not last. The truly blessed man does not walk in their counsel. Psalm one says, be wise enough not to heed their enticing words. Their counsel is evil, and he says, stay away from them. Do not walk in their way with them, but keep your foot from their path. Proverbs 1.15 Don't go the same way that they're going. Don't walk along beside them, and do not let them be your companions that will influence your life, especially those who are unbelievers. And so we say, well, well wait a minute. Wait a minute. How are we ever going to influence those people? How are we ever going to share the Lord with them if we don't spend time with them? Well, that's a great question. And this is what God's Word says. If you find that they're influencing you more than you are influencing them, it's time to get away from them. When you are influencing them in a greater way than they're influencing you, that's when you have the opportunity to influence them for the Lord. Okay? So if they're influencing you more than you're influencing them, you need to get away. Don't go down the path they are. Don't listen to their counsel. You need to come and grow spiritually and mature and develop so that you have the strength when you go back to that person that you have the ability to influence them greater than they're influencing you. Doesn't mean that you can't care about them. Doesn't mean that you, you can't pray for them. Doesn't mean that we can't at some point have the opportunity to influence them for the kingdom of God. But if they're influencing us greater than we're influencing them, we need to get away. need to stay away. need to separate ourselves because of, of the danger of us going down the same path, going down the same road, and being enticed and being tempted and giving in to that lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and boastful pride of life. And allowing that to influence the decisions that we make in life. Listen, Jesus was a friend to sinners. And we need to follow his example, but we need to do it in a way that we influence them and not allow them to influence us. Notice that Jesus was never influenced by a sinner to do something that he shouldn't do. Notice that Jesus never gave in to their enticement and their temptation, even when it was Satan himself. He never yielded to that. He always was influencing them. And we need to follow that same example. We need to be a friend to sinners. 
as long as we're influencing their not life and not allowing them to influence our life in a negative way. Ultimately, ultimately what happened? We look at Jesus and the temptation with Satan. And the scripture says that Satan left him till a more opportune time. They will never give up. That they will never stop trying. You say, well, you know, they're doing that right now, but, but, but as we get better friends and we do this, they'll know, and you know, they'll never give up. Satan was dealing with the Son of God, a perfect, perfect, perfect Son of God, the King of the universe, creator of all things, and yet he didn't give up. He left him till a more opportune time. And so we have to be very careful about the friends that we choose, the relationships that we have, the companions that we spend time with. We must be honest with ourselves. We must be honest with the Lord. And we must understand the importance of choosing wisely those who are our friends. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33. Author writes, Paul writes to the church of Corinthians. This is what he says. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil friends will corrupt us. Evil companions will corrupt us. If we are not strong enough to influence their life, then they will for sure influence our life. And so we have to be very, very careful about the friends that we choose. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we look around the world today, we look around at all the conflict and difficulties and the things going on, be very careful. About the people you choose to be your friends. About the people you choose to be your companions that you're going to spend time with. That that you're going to allow them to influence your life. Make sure that we're being wise. Wisdom, not just knowledge, but wisdom from God's Word. We're using it to guide us and direct us. And that we're choosing wisely those that we spend our time with. Well, this morning we're going to offer an invitation hymn. Maybe there are some friends in your life that you need to deal with. Maybe there's some folks in your life that you, as you listen to the message today, you say, you know what, they're, they're being a bad influence on me. They're, they're being a negative influence on my life, and right now I need to step away from them. This is a time to make that decision. This is a time to decide, hey, I want to change that in my life. I, I don't want to continue to go down that path with them and let them be a, a negative influence in my life. Perhaps you're here today and you've never named the name of Jesus, made Him Lord and Master of your life. And you want Him to help you to live your life and to choose wisely your companions. And today's the day that you need to say, I want to make Him Lord and Master of my life. I, I want to repent of my sins. I want to confess that Christ is Lord, that Jesus is the Son of God, and He died for my sins. I want to be baptized into Jesus Christ to walk in the newness of life. I don't know what decision is on your heart. Whatever decision is on your heart this morning, won't you make it as we stand and we sing together?